I'm Liam Senior, this is Tom Lockney. Tom, Jesus Christ, this is the this is the this is the theme. This is gonna be the theme of the podcast and you are singing over it. Never This is Media Majors. Look out everyone. Whoa! What's that? What's that? Whoa! Bullets flying! What They're everywhere. Oh no, it's it's not wartime yet, but it's another episode of Media Majors. I'm Liam Senior. And I'm Tom Lockney. I like movies and television. And I like video games and internet culture. And what we do is we tell each other stories from our fields to blow each other's minds and maybe learn a thing or two. Like the sound of a bomb dropping, but not a literal bomb. Not a literal one. There is no... I just want to repeat in case we have older listeners who are having a War of the World situation. Yeah. Everything's okay. It is all right. Your pension's probably fucked. And I'm going. I'm going first this week. True, true. We're gonna. Oh, we're gonna dive right in, into into space, the mm. final frontier. I don't believe the space is actually the final frontier. That's just something Star Trek made to sell cards. On November twentieth, two thousand and seven, Mass Effect is released to the public. Oh boy, Mass Effect is a is a sci-fi trilogy currently. A uh, new one, Mass Effect Andromeda is slated to come out in Q1 of 2017. I believe you mean Mass Effect Androgynous, and it's going to star... Uh, uh, fill that joke in yourself, listeners. Write <laughs> yeah. at mediummatrixpodcast.gmail.com. Tell me who you thought should have been the punchline. Fill in, make the caption. Caption this. <laughs> caption this audio format. Do it. Mass Effect is a, a sci-fi RPG where the player... Uh, plays as commander shepherd who can be either a man or a woman and that's and that's sort of the the choice there is the the crux of the series it's it's a bunch of really intricately interwoven branching narrative decisions that that commingle with one another and and unfurl out in really interesting ways i don't think that there's anything quite like it there are plenty of things that use the branching narrative format but nothing to the scale or scope your choices would would carry over from game to game that's how fucking nuts it was yeah now did the game did like so when i played borderlands 2 on my xbox it uh said hey it sees you know we can see from your xbox that you also played borderlands 1 and it gave me a bunch of extra stuff uh, extra stuff so is it like was the game able to say oh you played game one so the decisions from that game will affect this one Yes, it That's would just awesome. read your save file. Yeah, it's really fucking cool. That's so cool. And the 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 main conflict of the story is is Commander Shepard must save the galaxy from the Reapers, which are these this this mechanical race that basically just wipes out all sentient life in the galaxy every like x amount of x billion amount of years, so that sentient life can start over. Because you know questions about morality. Because like what what if we got too advanced or something like Uh-oh. that? Uh oh. Um, yeah. Here's my question. Shepherd, Reapers, are these guys Firefly fans? Well, <laughs> I you know what? Probably. Oh, I've yeah. never se- I've never seen Firefly. It's uh, good. I've seen Serenity. <laughs> oh, if you've seen Serenity, you should watch Firefly. It's just more yeah. of those characters. It's fun. It's a grand old time. I love Nathan Fillion. He's really he's a lot uh his character um 
like is kind like makes kind of more dickish decisions in the movie because he has to but he's even more jovial in the tv show it's wonderful but the fan base needs to calm the fuck down well that's sort of the the subject of our story i feel like i have all these stories about nasty fan bases but we'll get into it mass effect 3 comes out in march of 2012 and everybody loves it until they don't until they get to the ending see even i've heard about this i don't know what it entails but i remember reading tweets that were like fuck the ending tweets uh think pieces how mass effect 3's ending ruined the entire series wow what a yeah <laughs> just a whole host of did dumb the, hot did the takes. ending like become a person that broke your copies of the first two games well, the way people reacted, you you would you would not be wrong for thinking so. My Xbox uh, called me the N-word at the end of Mass Effect 3. <laughs> Fuck this game. This is now an episode of Cool Games Inc. where we play a Cool Games Inc. game where it just hurls racial slurs at Dad? us and forces us to Dad, smoke Dad, it's me. I have to explain to you a Tumblr. <laughs> oh, God. I don't ever, 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 ever want to have to explain my Tumblr to my daddy. Thing. I don't have a Tumblr, but I do have a lot of daddies. Mm. Mm-hmm. Listen to me to your majors about daddies. Daddy gate. <laughs> Episode 13. Yep. Uh, to be fair, I think that a lot of these people were totally right to be uh, upset at the ending. Interesting. Because it was bad. The ending was a, a ABC multiple choice moral question. Uh, a test? I'm playing video games. What, what the fuck? Do you destroy all technology? Do you merge technology and man and then some other bullshit do, that I can't remember? Do you jerk off on a window? <laughs> yeah, because the, there was like some other decision that I was like, this is so fucking stupid, I'm never going to pick this, and I didn't give it any thought. I would have chosen jerk off on the window. Which I do every morning. Because all of your decisions, technically speaking, don't matter. Because, like, none of them... You, you could, like, skip all of that and just have, like, basic video game gunman shoot the robots and get to the multiple choice ending. And, and you would have the same choices presented to you. Okay. Whereas, in Mass Effect... Typically, like, your choices would inform the choices presented to you later. But everybody got the same three. And so huh. I, I, I think that that's kind of a, not a great way to handle the ending. However, I don't think that you could write... Like, how could... I don't think there's a... It's impossible to write an ending for a franchise like that any other way. Because you want it to be about choice, choices. But 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 it would be it would be impossible to pick apart every piece of minutia and and craft like these incredibly hyper specific endings and still make the point that they wanted to make about humanity technology sci-fi watch my what um you know it's interesting uh endings are hard yeah endings in everything like you know you hear the phrase third act problems marvel movies tend to have third act problems except for guardians yep. of the galaxy um I'll defend that movie until the day I die. Uh, but no, a lot of the blockbusters, I feel like, have, uh, you know, because how do you keep up the tension? How do you keep it up and then let it die at the same time? And um, want to know something interesting? Uh, there is a respected uh, teacher at my school. I go to a an art school that has um, a pretty well-known television and film 
field, I guess. Department. Uh, and one of the teachers, one of this a great animation teacher that my roommate has taken has said that there are only a couple of horror movies that have, like, perfect endings. The Fly. The Fly 1980. 1988? 1988. I don't know if he said that. I mean, I, I agree. Uh, but one of the ones he said was White Zombie. The Rob Zombie movie. Wait, White Zombie? Yeah. I've never seen or heard of that. So neither have I. <laughs> Wait. I know. Because I know White Zombie was his band. I think that my roommate, my or the teacher got it mixed up. He might have been talking about House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, I hope he wasn't because that ending is fucking... Go- oh, no, the ending he's thinking of is Devil's Rejects because that ending is fucking incredible. Okay, he must be thinking of Devil's Rejects. Fun fact, my uncle was the DP on that. It's the scene everybody knows where they get gunned down in the desert to Freebird. Oh, yeah. that's a great scene! Yeah. Hold on, I have to... I have to call my roommate who's in the other room because I forget what the other movie is. Let's see how pissed. Let's see how pissed he gets for this. He hates it when I do shit like this. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Luke. It's Liam. You're on an episode of Media Majors, real quickly. I have a question for you. All right, put me on. Okay. Hey, what were the two movies that your teacher told you were the best endings for horror movies? Uh, the, the one with Frankenstein. Ah, the and the Rob the Zombie one. one. Great. And then the Rob Zombie one, which is called White Zombie. See, we've never heard of White Zombie, so that's... It's Devil's Rejects. We think it might be Devil's Rejects. All right, but thank you. Would you like to plug it? No, uh, no, there's a goodbye. Would you like to plug anything before you go? No, you didn't say goodbye is the thing. This isn't a movie. You can't just hang up. That's true. I love you. Goodbye. All right, I love you too. So Bride of Frankenstein was the other one. If you would like to be on... The air with media majors. Callers, come in. 555 media majors. <laughs> That's not a real number. It's not a real that. number. It's too many. Uh, you want to know what I, how I think that you would end a series like Mass Effect? How? I think, and this would be so incredibly difficult, but it would be so gutsy, is just is to trick your players. To not give them that ending and to just choose for them to read all the decisions that they've made, interpret what they think that their character that they've created would choose from that situation and then just be like, here's 20 minutes of your character doing the things that we think that you would do and you don't get to make that choice and it just ends like that. It would be gutsy as fucking hell. That's really good idea, though. Respect the, the, the notion of player choice to a, to a point and, and everybody would be talking about it. Sorry, what, what was your point about endings? No, no, just that they were hard, and then I wanted to talk about the two horror movies that have perfect... Like, that's saying, like, of all of the horror movies that we know and love, I think it's fair to say that, like, only a couple have really perfect endings. And your yeah. movie might be crap and have a great ending. Like, endings are difficult. I like yeah. your idea, though. I think that's a fun way to, like... So there's this great uh, film crit Hulk, big hero of mine, great film critic... I don't agree with him all the time, but I will read everything he writes because, like, that's how fucking good he is. Yeah. And he has this great thing about uh, three-act structure versus five-act structure. I think everybody should read it. And one of the things he talks about is that your ending should be an encapsulation of all of the thematic stuff that you were talking about as well as a resolution to your story. And the thing you were pitching to me is such a great inversion on the themes of choice. 
Um, it reminds me of Silent Hill Shattered Memories, which like oh, yeah, yeah. a game I adore, but is very flawed. But very took flawed, so yeah. many risky chances, and it didn't work out. But I think there was so much good stuff in there. And yeah. one of the things I liked was how it chose the ending for you based on how you played. And it was yep. really interesting to see. And then, you know, you could try to, like, win the game and try uh, – not win it, but, like, get the ending that you wanted to see. Yeah. And it just gave it a lot of replay value, and there was so much ingenuity in that, I think. So, oh, hold on. Criticism. A fart joke, just so we can keep things. <laughs> Piss, dicks, come. Uh, criticisms included this is from the wikipedia article criticisms included that the single palette swap ending rendered character choices inconsequential a general lack of closure lore contradictions and plot holes character and narrative inconsistencies the absence of a final boss battle i'm gonna address some of these complaints the fact that anyone is like boy i wish i had to fight an end boss at the end of this story-driven video game is the fucking craziest thing i've heard in my life that's dumb and inconsistencies between statements by bioware staff during the game's development and the form the endings ultimately took these were not single palette swap endings because i mean like red was destroy the reapers and all technology Green was singularity and blue was some other shit. And so, yellow was come. There we go. Yep, back back yep. to where we need to be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so there was a palette swap, but it signified like different thematic things where different story shit happened. And like characters, like there's, there's an AI character who, or there's multiple AI characters. And if you choose the red ending to destroy all technology, they fucking die. And that's important because that affects other characters, like whether or not ED hooks up with Jack. Listen, we could go. We I could talk until I'm blue in the goddamn face. You just said this. Rory and Jess in my eyes. So, yeah, uh, a lot of people like the plot holes. A lot of people think that unanswered question means plot holes. Like, how did Batman get to Gotham in in whatever the fuck in in Batman uh, Dark, Dark Knight Rises? Rises, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but it's like, that's not a plot hole. That's just something they chose not to show you. Yeah. Here is a plot hole in that movie. Not a plot hole. Here is, like, a thing in that movie. Why did Batman spend the time to make a giant flaming bat signal to yeah. show up when he could have been saving exactly. people? Or, or, like, how did he get, like, crucial plot information from Liam Neeson's hallucination ghost? How did he we'll walk on the know. ice that we saw people fall through when he's wearing armor? Yeah. Those are plot holes. How come that when that huge gang was going to attack Wall Street, they had guns but didn't shoot them? Yeah. That's a plot hole. I love The Dark Knight Rises. It's such a silly movie. It's if so If you think goofy. of that movie as Christopher Nolan making an Adam West-era Batman movie, it becomes a comedy, and it's yeah. very fun. Fans attack on multiple fronts, you know, typical, you know, people on Twitter... What the fuck, Bioware? Make my video game the way I want it. God, fans are so um, fucking entitled. Uh, I like what is the? I'm trying to pick what the most egregious is here. There was the, oh, uh, there was the retake Mass Effect campaign. You know, let's let's reclaim this piece of art that was created as a. Hey, you know what, Da Vinci? I want to draw Mona Lisa with a third eye. You fucktard! Retake the Mona Lisa. Retake helicopters. Hey, Wright brothers, I think I think planes should have four wings. You dumb fucks. <laughs> Retake airplanes. Like fuck off. 
Um, <laughs> and you know what? While we're at on airplanes, Jennifer Aniston, go fuck yourself for that terrible airplane commercial where you're like, I was, I had a dream my airplane didn't have a shower. Fuck yourself, <laughs> rich bastard. Retake Mass Effect was a crowdfunding campaign. They what? raised, yeah, they raised. Okay, here's here's what they did. They raised over eighty thousand dollars. I hate nerds. And donated it to Child's Play charity, which like that's cool. Oh, okay, that's okay, cool. but I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe I'm gonna maybe try and coin a term here. I'm gonna call this an awareness scam. Okay, because they even though they they sort of encouraged uh people to believe that they were sponsored by the charity and that they were officially affiliated there was no official ties at all between uh child's play and retake mass effect none whatsoever so what i mean by an awareness scam is is like hey we have this cause that we believe in um that's actually a bunch of bullshit and so we're going to draw all this attention to ourselves by using charity as this springboard to get people to pay attention and listen to us dude like i agree with you that it's an awareness scam and i think you've coined something that people have been doing since the dawn of charity my friend the fact that i like charity only exists to better white people in the eyes of the public that should hate them quote liam senior 2016 <laughs> One of the founders of Retake Mass Effect, a man by the name of Rob, two Bs, declares the drive a success in light of a statement released by co-founder and then-GM of BioWare, Dr. Ray Musica. So I have a question. Yes. Doctor? Yeah. In what? Um, In, like, science? I do not know. I believe that they are... Their two co-founders of BioWare are both doctors, but I could be wrong. That's cool. At least one is a doctor. Hey, follow your bliss, man. If you're into, if you're a doctor and you're like, "Fuck this," I want to make a video game company. Go forth. You've yeah. got the capital. Doctors make hella bank. Hey, if you're a doctor and you want to give us money, I'll do things. <laughs> I will let you. I will let you perform grisly, Lovecraftian experiments on my body. I have a very hairy body. If that's something you're into, it looks like an elephant trunk coming out of a mammoth. If you know what I mean. We can study your textile strength. Did you like my description of my genital sum? I using two Liam, different pachyderms. You know what? It's so hard to pick which description of your genitals I'm more in love with on this podcast because there've been just so many. Oh man, like a baby's arm out of a bear. So this is Doctor Musica's uh, response again. If I'm getting that name wrong, sorry. As co-founder and GM of Bioware, I'm very proud of the ME3 team. I personally believe that Mass Effect 3 is the best work we've yet created. I would agree. So it's incredibly painful to receive feedback from our core fans that the game's endings were not up to their expectations. Our first instinct is to defend our work and point to the high ratings offered by critics. But But out of respect to our fans, we need to accept the criticism and feedback with humility. I believe passionately that games are an art form and that the power of our medium flows from our audience who are deeply involved in how the story unfolds and who have the uncontested right to provide constructive criticism. At the same time, I believe in and support the artistic choices made by the development team. The team and I have been thinking hard about how to best address the comments on ME3's endings from players while still maintaining the artistic integrity of the game. That is the most fucking gracious. I was gonna response. say that is classy as shit. Yeah. 
That is one of the best wow. uh, official statements I've ever read in my life. Every single company should hire Dr. Musica to write their fucking shit like that. That was, wow. Yeah. That, I'm, I'm like almost touched by that. That was a really powerful speech. I know. That's awesome. Shit, Tom, is this a happy story? Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> Spoke too soon. Well, it's... It's a, it's a conflicted story, I'll tell you that much. So, in response to this, Rob, ever the, ever the gracious activist, really. I bet Rob's Twitter AVI is a fucking egg. <laughs> says, I don't believe anyone can or should consider this effort to have been anything but spectacularly successful. As evidenced by the statement from Dr. Musica today, or yesterday, we have made our voices heard. Those of you here have taken the special listeners care. can't see this, but I am shaking my head to say no. Have taken special care to be heard in a polite, positive manner, and I believe that this is a major contributor to that success. We have shown our sincerity and passion. We have brought positive attention to the retake Mass Effect movement. Make no mistake, this effort has been victorious. What a fart! What a bag of farts! While Bioware. God, he keeps he keeps going. While Bioware has promised to address concern over the Mass Effect 3 ending, we still don't know how it will do so. More information on its content initiatives will be released in April. Retake Mass Effect is not over by any means. Dr. Muzuka's statement was welcome, but did not directly address our concerns. You have been heard. Now it is time to make sure they get the details right. This is a fucking manifesto to Cliff and Bundy write this. It's like my Ugh. eighth Cliff and Bundy reference on this podcast. Also because this was like super not a polite thing. This was Yeah, that's rude. Oh and not uh, yeah, and, and to to characterize everybody within because I get not being happy about a narrative. Like I'm the I, I'm like the most hypercritical dude in the world, but a lot you know, it, like again, typical like egg anime girl ass motherfuckers getting on Twitter and and you know doing what they do listen i will always be deeply hurt by campo santo for what they did with firewatch <laughs> but i'm not gonna write a letter to them claiming they have to fix it like it's yeah it is what it is i moved on yeah fucking nerds you know what i blame for all this the star wars prequels oh yeah i buy that Mm-hmm. uh this is a quote heavy story for oh me my God. because rob turns out rob may be not the voice of authority in retake mass effect rob sounds like he writes for stormfront the official facebook page releases the following statement Good while Lord. rob was one of the individuals who set up the child's play fundraiser he is not a spokesperson for the retake movement as a whole and never asked to become one the campaign charity did not wind down as it reached its preset goal of eighty thousand. And the directors of Child's Play asked us to end the charity because they were getting bad publicity from it. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. It's Speaking of... All over my computer. <laughs> Penny Arcade's Jerry Holkins releases this statement saying, Child's Play cannot be a tool to draw attention to a cause. Child's Play must be the cause. I don't 
I personally have a lot of problems with the Penny Arcade guys, but like I am, I super agree Ooh, with that statement. I want you to get into that on a future episode oh, where Eric yeah, is oh. involved because he loves the comic, but I don't think he likes the guys who make it. Oh yeah, we will. Great. Of course, there's a few Change.org petitions. Oh, those always work. Yeah. Has okay. Serious question. Don't ask me because I don't know. I don't know if one has ever worked. Of a change dot, like, no, I've never seen, and maybe I'm wrong, like, I, maybe I don't understand the purpose of that website, maybe it's just, ex- maybe it just exists to show solidarity, but, like, I've never heard a news story be like, and thanks to, and partly in thanks to a change.org petition, like, this, this tenement building is no longer being destroyed, this, this vid- VHS store is being kept in business. Quentin Tarantino is gonna direct Deadpool 2. I have so it, many problems with people trying to get that to happen. I can't even begin. Oh, my God. That he would writes be... his own movies, you fuckers. He's not going <sighs> to... I could only find two, though there were more, I'm sure, one of which with uh, 1,505 supporters of a projected 5,000. Way to reach for the stars, guys. Man, way to aim for the lower middle. <laughs> yeah, and one successful petition with over 13,000 signatures. Way to aim for the middle. But... Liam, that's my name. This isn't enough. Listen, listen, Liam. Oh my God, where did you get that Guy Fox mask? Cause we're coming for you. What? Listen, how are you wearing two fedoras? Tom, put your vape pen down and talk to me as a person. And we all hate women, like a lot. I don't. I love them. I think they're better than men. <laughs> for one, they're I... soft. Oh nope, I fucked it up. I fucked it yep, up already. You just already. Um, this, so this is not enough. You have to call your congressman. You have to take this to the highest, you have to take this to the top. The top? To the throne. You have to take this to the highest levels of government. So what did Bioware forum user L underscore Spico do? (laughs) Motherfucker went to the FTC. The the Federal Trade Commission. Oh boy. Mr. Dick goes to Washington. Okay. I'm gonna... I'm sorry. This has been a really quote-heavy thing. No, I mean... There's there's just, like, so much implicit internet gold here of, like, entitled jerks on the internet being like, why didn't you make your art to be exactly what I want it to be? I'm clutching this bottle of whiskey. And a lot of uh, news outlets only quote parts of it uh, because it's more palatable that way. But here on Media Majors, we don't care about if it's if it's fun to listen to. We care about the truth here. Well, I, I like making things fun. That's why I talk mostly about my dick. The funnest part of my butt. Oh, no, Tom, what have I become? Oh, God. Someone cancel me. Quote, El Spico. <laughs> <laughs> Against EA. After reading through... EA Sports, it's in the game? Uh, EA published Mass Effect. Oh. But EA Sports, it's in the game. It's in the game. After reading through the list of promises about the ending of the game they made in their advertising campaign and PR interviews, it was clear that the product we got did not live up to any of those claims. He links to a thread. Clearly, none of these were represented in the ending. If anyone else wishes to file a complaint, the more there are, the more likely the FTC will take action. 
I don't think the FTC will take action. Just go to FTC.gov. Wow, awfully prescient of you, Nostradamus. <laughs> and fill out a complaint in the uh, complaint form in the consumer protection section. Here's EA's HQ, EAHQ's address and phone number. Fucking address and phone number, which I, is public knowledge. I like, he's not Daxon Fools. I was about to say. This is not something I was happy to do. <laughs> the lamest, the, wait, I got one. The lamest doc since the Popeye movie. Kaboom! Oh, whoa. Roasted. This is not something I was happy to do, but after the terrible ending, that was in no way, in no way, the product that had been advertised to me, to me, and the lack of any kind of response from Bioware slash EA to address this, I felt it was one of my only recourses. Do you like my dancing? <laughs> I do. Sorry, listeners, I started dancing for some reason. I've had a lot of whiskey because I just finished class. <laughs> I'll be returning my copy of the game before the end of my 30-day return policy. The ending still hasn't been addressed by then. Ooh. Oh, I'm shaking in my Bioware boots. Oh, it's not done. Oh, Rob. Filed a Better Business Bureau complaint as well. They can be found at BBB.org. <laughs> the BBB. Do not go to BBW.org unless you want to see some beautiful and very, very not safe for work. Don't art. go to BBB.org. BigBoothBabes.org. Whoa. Fucking callback, y'all. The BBB will at the very least notify EA of any complaints they receive, so every complaint filed is something that EA will hear about. Uh, this did not pan out. Shocker. I know. I I'm know you're shocked. shocked that they did not pursue litigation. Can I you call uh, me let's, shocked? Let's fucking pause for like two seconds here. Okay, I'm, I'm Charlotte Bronte. That's my name. I'm Charlotte Bronte. And, and I'm I've Ernest Hemingway. What are we doing? I've, yeah, I've just penned Jane Eyre, and you've just penned, I don't know, fucking Gone uh, uh, with the Wind. Oh, no, 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 no. Gone with the Wind? Shut up. Uh, uh, <laughs> nice and, a nice and dry place, or quiet yeah. and dry place. And then, and I, I released Janet, Jane Eyre, one of, like, Or the, Janet Eyre, as you almost said. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, one of the most uh, uh, complex 17th, 1700s feminist novels um still studied in schools today i've read it i didn't like it but i totally get why it's a thing um and and you get a fucking complaint uh, uh, in in the law from the from the law the, the sheriff walks up to your door you know the london sheriff yeah a fucking beef eater walks up to your door and it's like <laughs> yo bitch what's up <laughs> what's good some fucking beef eater shows up and slaps you with with an FTC complaint and says, "Oh, we're thinking someone's trying to sue you because they didn't like that Jane got with uh, what's his fuck at the end, or I can't remember. I can't remember how Jane there ended. Can you fucking imagine that? I mean, I'd sue Emily Dickinson because her poetry is shitty, but that's <laughs> my opinion. I, it's it's so. I mean, no, I'm that's sure, nuts. Like, obviously, people were like, oh, like." Uh, hey, Charlotte Bronte, like your book is shit, cause, cause that's what having an opinion is. Yeah. Um, even if it's fucking wrong. If we got mad because of endings and sued people for him, Stephen King wouldn't have written all of the books because by th book three he would have been in the fucking jail. Yeah. 
He would have. He oh, we would have executed Stephen King. Okay, so it's a story about a clown that terrorizes children. Stephen, stop! You've hit gold. Wait, I have to keep going. The clown is secretly a giant spider. Stephen, oh. what are you doing? Stephen, I beg of you. I beg of you. Stop it. Stop it right now. Oh, all the kids. All the kids run a fucking train on their friend who's a girl at age like ten. How's that for a fucking ending? That is a thing that happens in that book. In it? What the? F- yeah, dude. They <laughs> each oh, boy. they take turns having sex with the the one female character. Oh right, I all forgot age 10. about that. They're oh, all age ten, and they take turns. I read that book when I was like twelve, and and I was like, what? Did I just read? Jesus, was... that wasn't in the movie. <laughs> oh no, because <laughs> then we would have to see Seth Green as a kid have sex. Yeah. Ugh. Wait, not to know. Okay, so there's a part in the It movie that is maybe my favorite <laughs> moment in cinema, where a a kid is in a house. He's his back is to the front door, so he's able to leave, and a mummy is going after him. And the narrator goes, "All whatever the kid's name, let's call him Kevin." All Kevin could think to do is hold up his bird book and name types of birds he knows. And then he does that, and then he just leaves the house. And I'm like, Stephen, what did you that write? That is the most Stephen King-ass Stephen King moment. Oh, God. Tommy Knocker, my Langoliers, because Kojo, Kujo is misery. Oh, God. Or Stephen King books. So none of this litigation panned out, not with the Better Business Bureau, not with the FTC, because the the UK Advertising Standards Authority found that there were significant thematic differences between each ending, preventing any actionable litigation. Also, it's a fucking video game. Calm the fuck down, nerds. That's what I wanted to write. I couldn't print it. Uh... On June 26, 2012, an extended cut was released. Free expanding and altering small details of the ending i don't need to focus on what those small details were because they were so small that they were basically inconsequential um but it it satisfied a bunch of people a bunch of people were like yeah the ending's way better now um i look back on this less as a a moment of uh mass critical frustration and more of like like we've said and and like a lot of the journalistic narratives were at the time that that gamers are entitled a lot of gamers or a lot of fans modern fans are entitled and this is true there's a lot of writing about this now i think i talked about it on our um zami 070 steven universe episode uh uh article about fandom that was excellent and talking about how fandom is now like kind of spinning out of control because fans think that they own the art and that is it is like a reciprocal relationship and to some extent that is true because like if if uh let's say you go to fantastic beasts and where to find them and you're a black person and you go hey wait hey wait a minute minute. did colin farrell just turn into johnny depp and that's the ending spoilers um or 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 if you're like a a big criticism I heard of J.K. Rowling was, like, the native. She, uh, she kind of had, like, weird exploitative native stuff. I don't know if that's true. But if if it was, then, like, Native American people would have a total right to criticize and be like, yo, like, you are you are making this thing that is actively exclusionary towards us. Like, that is that is the reciprocal relationship that, that fan and artist canon should have. Because 
you're allowed to have an opinion and you're allowed to criticize but this like this is crazy this is this is like i, I would go so far as to say like a display of abusive dominance like what? we're gonna we're gonna raise eighty thousand dollars in this awareness scam to prove a point essentially and and cry and shriek and scream till the cows come home or until you change the ending of your game even a little bit inconsequentially and then once once it, we know that we have power over you we will shrink into the shadows and this happened again with no man's sky which is going to be another episode of this podcast in like a year because <laughs> that's like another uh, instance where people went fucking crazy like like legit psycho about this game where they were like it was not it was not what was advertised and it wasn't and i really don't like that game i think it's a really shitty game no man's sky no man's sky yeah Yeah. i i they just released a big update but but you're not gonna you're not gonna send death threats to the guy and it was yeah death threats and it's a team of like six people they sent death threats to that guy they sent death threats to the journalists who reported on a delay of the game a thing that they had no control over and were just doing their jobs i i'm sorry no don't be this is so frustrating okay so i've been playing the new pokemon game and i've been fucking loving it and i go on youtube and one of the first video things i see on youtube is like 15 things hardcore gamers hate about the new pokemon and it's like fuck (laughs) like things when did liking things become dumb like (gasps) what happened to having genuine feelings why are we why are we a society of hate watching and ironic detachment Everybody always gets mad at me because they're like, Tom, you're so critical. Like, don't you like anything? And it's like, that is why I'm so critical is because I love things. And like, and because I love picking them apart. And I'm not, and we talked about this before. I'm not, I'm not just being like, well, this game is like shit piss ass in a trough full of pig innards or something like that. I'm not just like, I'm trying to make useful structural complaints. I'm not just being like, this is poop from a butt. And, and that's because I love art. Like, criticism and loving art are not mutually exclusive things. And it drives me nuts. And Mass Effect Andromeda Q1 2017. We back. We back. Sorry. Backstreet's back all right. All right. Nick Carter. I don't know any of the other names. So that's, that's, that's my story is just this this... Because nobody, because nobody, I've never, I haven't seen anybody talking about the Mass Effect 3 ending controversy in light of Andromeda. And and I feel like a lot of people have sort of kind of forgotten about it. So, yeah. Because Andromeda was announced, do you think? Maybe. I think people just kind of don't want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) I think people don't want to talk about the time that a bunch of gamers bullied uh, a company. Yeah, that's not good for them. Yeah, into changing their art. Damn, fan bases. Yep. All right, well... Unfortunately, it's that time again when we gotta go to the piper and ask oh, for the payment. Tom, man. do you know who Ina Gardner is? No, but I, I know I don't like taking money from her because I'm not a fan well, of working for the, the woman in this case. She's a celebrity chef, but recently she's called us and branched into a very different uh, field. Oh, Tom, really? do you ever wish that your cum was harder? Every... Every single day. Well, thank God, because today we're sponsored by Eda Gardener's Cum Hardeners. <laughs> it's a pill 
that you take once a day, <laughs> and your cum will be like rock fucking candy. Oh, God. Do you like, ever wish that your dick looked like Superman's Fortress of Solitude after you jizzed all over your shower curtain? Always. I well, want to look like I have some sort of crystalline disease. <laughs> Do you wish that you could pretend to play uh, to, that your dick was the needler from Halo 2? Every day, always. Especially the part where it explodes. Exactly. Well, if you take enough of Edna Gardner's cum hardeners, a phrase oh, I definitely didn't make up on the walk from home from class today. <laughs> Then you Jesus are in for a, a a very sticky situation. Oh yeah, oh, and we can't. Um, and speaking of which, we cannot stress enough: you have to put the right amount on. Too much, and and yeah. it'll it'll your dick will just fall. It'll be like that scene in Jason X where he puts that girl's face in. Yeah, the... yeah, yeah. Is Jason X the one when he's when he's in space, or is that the one where he took Manhattan on a boat? No, that's the one where he goes to space. Cool. Well, if we yeah. were going to send anybody to space. He puts a girl's face in liquid nitrogen and it freezes and he... Exactly. Jason X is a fucking great movie. It's fantastic. Uh, well, what Eden the Gardener's Cum Hardeners are is a sort of proactive, like, kit filled with a pill and lotion that you take. You take the pill in the morning and put the lotion at night. And the next time you make love to any man, woman, or child of your choosing, please don't make it a child. Uh, oh, God. You will, they will be, they were in for a spicy surprise. And by spicy, I mean spiky, because you will shoot glass diamonds into their bodies. Well, also spicy, because just as as with condoms, the lotion comes in flavor. Do you like coconut butter? Do you Perhaps like jalapeno of, dream? A little, yes, a little bit of Cajun. Mm, How habanero about- for the dangerous ones among you. Cumin, which is their cumin flavor. Oh, fuck off. Oh, cardamom. Uh, also, be sure, uh, just just as, as with putting on too much, don't take too little. Otherwise, your jism will be like, like, you know, when you dunk cotton candy in water and it gets wet and you pull it out before it dissolves. Yeah, just kind of like, it'll be kind of like the consistency of angel hair pasta. Yeah, exactly. When you want rock candy. And if you enter the code media majors, uh... Uh, Ina Gardner's husband will punch you in the balls. I cannot stress enough. You know, we don't normally say this on the show, but do not buy this product. Don't buy this product. (laughs) We're just taking their money. Do not buy Ina Gardner's cum hardener. It is like, it is like passing a kidney stone the size of the fucking moon. Yep. It's like passing a a string shaped kidney stone. Tom, would you like to hear a story? God, yes. Anything. So this one is titled, This One's a Bummer. Oh, good. September 17th, 1965. Hogan's Heroes premieres. It's an American television sitcom. It's set in a uh, German POW camp during World War II, and the premise of the show is these prisoners of war, led by their captain, uh, Hogan, uh, help help with allied espionage and sabotage against Nazi Germany, all from the POW camp. It's super funny. It's It's a great old show. And it's basically about the double lives that these prisoners led. Um, it was made into a movie, wasn't it? Because I feel like I've seen... Uh, it It was actually, like, there have been a lot of movies that are similar to it. One of my it? Well, no, because, like, may- maybe, but, like, a lot of movies that have been inspired by it and a lot of movies that inspired it. Um, oh, okay. One of my favorite movies of all time, Stalag 17, was heavily influential to this. If you haven't seen Stalag 17, it's Billy Wilder's POW mystery movie, and it fucking amazing um so it was about the double life and it starred bob crane as robert hogan the titular character and he will be our focus for today 
Robert Edward Bob Crane, born July 13th, 1928, was an American actor, drummer, radio host, and disc jockey. A drummer at the age of 11, Crane began his career as a radio personality, first in New York and then in Connecticut before moving to L.A., where he hosted the number one rated morning show. And in the early 60s, he decided to make the move to acting, where he got the role of Colonel Robert E. Hogan in the CBS sitcom Home and Heroes. The series aired for six years, and Crane received two primetime Emmy nominations for his work. Unfortunately, after Hogan's Heroes, he couldn't really find a lot of acting jobs and began to do dinner theater. Mm. He tried, NBC tried to get him back on, on shows with the Bob Crane show and some other stuff, but it just didn't work out. Uh, but he helped solidify Hogan's Heroes as one of the decade's best-loved and highest-rated comedies, and he was well-liked on and off the set. People loved Bob Crane. Uh, Robert Clary, who played French POW uh, Louis Lebeau, said, Bob was a very charming man. He was easy to get along with. He never acted like, I'm making much more money than you do, and you better listen to what I'm saying. And that was wonderful. Because at the time, people pulled a lot of rank on on sitcoms because it was always like the someone someone show you know what i mean yeah following the cancellation of hogan's heroes crane appeared in two disney films and one of them was called super dad we're not going to get into it but just just remember that um, i like that title super dad well this out of why out of why tom i'm really into it this one's a bummer oh good between theater <laughs> engagements he guest starred in a number of tv shows but again he just couldn't make stuff work. Few, suspect, bleh, few suspected that beneath Bob Crane's glib exterior lay a thousand secrets, secrets in black and white and blonde, captured for the posterity on hundreds of hardcore Polaroids and videotapes. You see, Bob Crane was a sex addict before the term was even invented. Oh. A married man who seduced scores of women over the years and enjoyed recording oh. the details of their X-rated encounters. Oh, no. Mark Dawson, son of Hogan's Heroes co-star and future Family Feud host uh, Richard Dawson, his son mm -hmm. was just 17 when Bob Crane decided to share those secrets with him. Yikes. Hang on. Okay. Yeah. yeah. L okay, yeah. Liam. Liam. This I one's a bummer. To you. I come to you. I come to you in your house. In your apartment, onto your bed. Yep. And I say, Liam, and I put my hand on your hand because we are such we are such good friends. And this is I'm about to share a, a moment of personal intimacy with you, and I give you a light a light squeeze, mm -hmm. and I say, I want to tell you about the hundreds of women that I've had sex with. Nope, please don't. Yep, exactly. And my God. And here's what makes it worse: the dude was in his like 30s and the dude who he showed it to was like a minor <laughs> oh no he was carding a couple of videotapes in a polaroid book dawson says he went into the oh other room and then god. called me in hey come on in you want to take oh a look at this my stuff god. the stuff was scores of nude pictures and oh pornographic videos all of them no, starring bob no, crane the first 10 or 15 minutes, it was very interesting, recalls Dawson, clearly fucked up by this traumatic experience. The first experience. 15 to 20 minutes? Tom, this one's a bummer. Oh, Unnerving, no. I gotta tell you. It was a little shocking to see Colonel yeah, Hogan I'll on Natural. Tom, we haven't even gotten to the bummer part yet. Oh, what? Yeah, dude. 
Couldn't watch oh. Hogan's the same way after that, says the 17-year-old Bob Crane, technically <laughs> broke a fourth-degree sexual offense law with. Um, Yikes. What was Crane's attitude while showing off his conquests? It was like, wow, look at this one. Look at this one, recalls Dawson. I don't know if proud is the right word, but sort of, look what I got. She's a real winner, huh? Ugh. Some of them were, and some of them weren't. He was excited, happy about it. He was like a kid with a toy. In fact, from the age of 19 to his dying day, Bob Crane was a married man. He was still wed to his high school sweetheart and had three children when he began a torrid affair in 1965 with Cynthia Lynn, who was a character on Hogan's Heroes. Their intimate relationship literally began as the cameras were rolling. We're kissing, she recalls, and they say cut, and we're still kissing. Hey, hey, that's sexual assault. Hey, hey, just cause it's your job. Uh, doesn't mean it's not. Can you believe Rachel Bloom won't let me write songs for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? I'm shocked. Offset, Cynthia got involved in Bob's hobby, nude photography. He was a camera nut, okay? I loved it when he took pictures of me because he was like a kid in a candy store. Pay attention to how many times he t- uh, he's described as being a kid. Does it, uh, That's not where the story is going. I just find it weird. Um... He took some nudes pictures of me, but I wasn't ashamed of it. There was nothing kinky or weird about it. Hey, follow your bliss. It was an affair, though, so. Cynthia Lynn left Hogan's Heroes after its first season, and another statuesque bombshell was hired to play the new secretary. Um, The former Patricia Olden, who starred on Hogan's Heroes under the name Sigrid Valdez. And by 1970, uh, Bob Crane had had fallen for her and married her. So he left his first wife for this woman. Mm-hmm. He was always hitting on me from day one, she remembers, with a smile. That's how charming he was. Uh. But he would hit he would hit on any bimbo that would walk on that set. It didn't uh. matter. I mean, that was just Bob. Uh. In the near quarter century since her... Uh, wait, hold on. Don't want to get into that. Man, see, that's exactly how you normalize shit like that. It's well, like, listen oh, to this. He's just, you know, it's cool. He just, like, has sex with everybody and flirts with everybody. Like, You want to... Oh, dude, you want to hear about normalization? She says she knew about Bob's obsession with sex and multiple partners, and she did not give a fuck. He didn't well, if she's, his... if she's down for, like, poly... Something... A polyamorous relationship, Wasn't, like... I mean, I don't think it was polyamorous. Listen, listen. Listen okay. to what she says. Oh, Jesus. He didn't lose his First Amendment rights when he married me. He loved having sex and filming it. He never broke any laws. <sighs> Nothing he did was unconstitutional. From almost the first day on set, he told me his hobby was photography. I didn't figure it was landscape. Uh-huh. He brought over a double-thick briefcase, and it was filled with, like, four rows of slides in a box. So thousands of slides, all of the women in his life. Did it hurt Pat's feelings that although he was in love with her, he was photographing and sex with scores of young women? No, she says. I know it sounds crazy. Maybe people listening to me will think I am crazy. Just a little bit. <laughs> Bob used these women, he said. I wish when I finished with them, I could just push a button and they'd fall through the floor and disappear. That's what he would say to her. That's something a psychopath says. Uh, now, how could I be jealous of something like that? He treated women like the rest of the world treats toilet paper. Who's going to be jealous of toilet paper? What the what fuck, the Pat? Fuck? What the fuck, Pat? You have problems. You have deep-seated psychological issues. That sucks. Oh, that sucks so bad. Tom, this story's about to take a left turn because on Wednesday, June 28th, 1978, after completing an evening performance and signing autographs for fan and fans in the lobby, Crane returned briefly to his Scottsdale, Arizona apartment with a longtime friend, Los Angeles video equipment sales clerk John Carpenter. Oh, please don't be murdered. Wait, what? 
<laughs> Not that John Carpenter. Wait. A different John Carpenter. Okay. I Tom, was gonna say. you already predicted it because the next day Bob Crane was found bludgeoned to death in his apartment. Oh, wow. Before Crane and Carpenter headed out on the town, Patricia called Bob, and according to Carpenter, the estranged couple argued loudly on the phone. Thereafter, Crane and Carpenter joined to a local bar where they had drinks with two women who they had arranged to meet. At about two in the morning, the quartet went to the safari uh, coffee shop on Scottsdale Road. Half an hour later, John Carpenter left to pack for his return trip to L.A. the next morning. Back at his hotel room, he called Crane one final time. And Crane allegedly told him that he was considering ending his lifestyle of heavy partying and uh, seducing women and was getting tired of hangers-on like Carpenter. And Bob reportedly told Carpenter that their friendship was over. The next day, Crane's uh, one of Crane's co-stars and friends, Victoria Berry, knocked on Bob Crane's door at Win- the Winfield Place Apartments in Scottsdale at around 2 p.m. on June 29th. The front door to his apartment... 132A was closed, but unlocked. Barry would enter the apartment and find the entire apartment dark. As she entered the bedroom, she said, At first I thought it was a girl with long, dark hair, because all the blood had turned real dark. I thought, oh, Bob's got a girl here. Where's Bob? Oh, she's done something to herself. Bob must have gone for help. And then I realized it was blood. It was a strange feeling. What? Wait, how was he? Was he bludgeoned like... Bludgeoned on the the head. Oh, okay. We'll get into it. This is this gets weird. Yeah, I want you to give me the nitty gritties on on this on this crime. Um, he was in the fetal position, lying on his side, and had a cord around his neck, which was tied in a bow. Whoa, some. Yeah, that's well, that's like that's. I, I mean, if it wasn't there before the murder, the sex murder, which I've already decided it's a sex murder, then that's like a it's humiliation not. thing. There was no one else in the apartment. It was just Bob. Oh. Uh, you'll 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 start to piece it together who probably did it. I've already mentioned them. The Scottsdale Police Department, like most its size, did not have a homicide division, and they were not equipped to handle a high-profile murder investigation. Well, there's that great John Mulaney bit where it's like, what must it have been like to be a detective back then? Like. Oh, th- there's a pool of the killer's blood on the floor. <laughs> Ew, gross. Get it away from me. Yeah, I've got to go follow my hunch. Uh, the crime scene yielded few clues. There was no evidence of forced entry and nothing financial. Uh, nothing of financial value was missing. Detectives examined Crane's extensive videotape collection, which led them to Carpenter, who had flown to Phoenix on June 25th to spend a few days with Crane. You'll remember that at the end of his trip, Bob said he didn't want to be friends with him anymore. Bob Crane even though he was not successful, was still incredibly famous. He was doing dinner theater, and he was making a decent living off of that. Yeah, and, you know, he's got his name. He was in, he was in fucking Hogan's oh, Heroes. You know, that, that carries weight. Carpenter's rental car was impounded and searched. Several blood smears were found that matched Crane's blood type. No one else was known to have been in the car, including Carpenter, tested for that type. DNA testing was not available yet. Um... With no other significant material evidence, the Maricopa County attorney declined to file charges. So I'm just going to say right now, Carpenter did it. Because, <laughs> like, there's blood in his car, so... Yeah, that's pretty suspicious. And we'll get into it, but there was a camera tripod missing, and most people suspect that Carpenter bashed his head in with the with. missing camera tripod and then threw it in his car. Okay. Uh, initially so then invested- the bow tie was definitely a humiliation. humiliation interesting 
because you didn't want to be my friend anymore. Yeah. And that's and that's such a classic like like that's that's very much a a like masculine dominance thing like i'm going to do this like i'm going to have this sort of sexually emasculating thing i'm gonna bash you on the head with camera equipment that's the part that like he was a camera salesman bob crane was a videographer was obsessed with videography murderers always fuck up because they cannot help but be poetic Tom, I'll tell you right... Uh, you know what? We'll get to it. You are going to be furious by the end of this. Oh, no. Initially, investigators surmised... I was the... already so mad at the, at, during my story. Uh, investigators surmised that the killer was someone Crane knew. Whoa! Fucking idiots. Um, the Maricopa County Medical Examiner was able to put together a partial cr- chronology of events on the evening. Like, this is some dumbass police work. They were like, well, the door was unlocked, so that's probably how they got in. Ah! <laughs> oh, amazing Whoa. cop work! Fantastic! Sherlock. Oh! Sir oh, Conan Doyle could not have done a better job. <laughs> Money was found in Crane's wallet, so they eliminated robbery as mm. being a motive. Oh my probably. god! Probably. Give these men an award! <laughs> Fucking idiots. Jesus. Um, the investigation unfortunately brought public eye to Bob Crane's secret videotaping life. Now, it seems from people being able to pour through all these that, you know, he had this fetish of videotaping himself and his female sex partners, but it mm-hmm. seemed like everything was consensual. Because of the camera technology back then, there was no way for him to hide to, it. like, hide it. Uh, unless yeah. he had some sort of, like, two-way mirror shit. No, it wasn't. It was, it was all done with photography. Oh, and okay. And he, like, had, uh, like... And he had a, a dark room installed in his bathroom to develop photos. He was just a, he just had a kink. Okay. Like it was bad that he was married, but other than that, well, like I mean, he had a kink, but also, uh, give me two seconds to find this. Here, while you're looking for it, it was also rumored that he used to play drums at topless bars in L.A. and that he was just he was just like into having sex, but he wasn't a rapist and he wasn't that much of a like he just enjoyed it like it like i can understand at the time people were super shocked by it but and yeah it was bad because he was married and that's a no-no in my opinion approximately 50 pornographic videotapes were found at the apartment and then as well as professional photography equipment in the bathroom for developing and enlarging the still shots um but it again it was like it was like basically you know just porn modeling it's like the women very clearly knew they were being photographed uh but here's something interesting several items that the police declined to identify were missing from crane's little black bag including a small multi-zippered carrier that he always carted around with him victoria berry who discovered his body had seen it when she first discovered the body but it later disappeared and was never accounted for and of course oh yeah so, so the play, play is called, it's an opera called Don Giovanni. Mm-hmm. And it's about a man who is a pickup artist, basically. I found out about this play. Uh, I'm going to plug somebody. Everybody go watch ContraPoints. He's my favorite YouTuber right now. Uh, and he has a really great uh, uh, video on pickup artists, what they are and what they do and why they are so, so shitty. Uh, just called Pickup Artist ContraPoints. Uh and he talks about Don Giovanni in that. And Don Giovanni is Bob Crane. He has a booklet with a list of all the women that he slept with. And it's not a, it's not 
and and like I'm not gonna presume to know Bob Crane. We didn't have all the information, but the, this is the reason that I'm skeeved out is because it, it, it's weird when people use photography as a way to keep track of who they've had sex with. Yeah, because it's at that point it's less about uh, I just like having sex with a lot of women. I'm a, a, a you know don't call me a libertine, but I have been called promiscuous by certain people. Me too, um, which is weird. Cause I like, I generally have girlfriends. Um, They'd like, hold on. Let me, like, I generally am a girlfriend person. Like, I, like I'm not, I'm not, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't, I'm not dating multiple people. Yeah. I want to make clear. I'm not saying that like, Oh, you shouldn't have sex with a ton of people. You slut or something like that. But, but you it, shouldn't, it's weird that people yeah. keep track. It's a weird power move. It should be if you if you want if you want to have sex to have sex, you're probably not cataloging it. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz then it's not cuz then it's about achieving a number rather than achieving an experience. And, Ooh, and yeah, that's yeah. a great way to. But it seems like from the way he organized it, it he literally that was just his fetish was the act of being photographed. Oh, okay. Like he just enjoyed that. It yeah. didn't seem like it was a numbers game. Like it seemed like he just enjoyed having sex and enjoyed photographing, like as a, as a means of foreplay as opposed to a means of cataloging. Okay. Well, from then... what the research I've done, like I'm yeah. not in his brain, but from what the information that is made public, this okay. is what I can construe. Yeah, I just I just thought I wanted to to bring that up as like a also possible reality that might exist. Exactly. Yeah. So guess who introduced Bob Crane and John Carpenter? Oh, the the lady he dated initially. Close. It was the father right? of the kid who he showed all the porn to. <laughs> oh God. The lady who found his body, report Victoria Barry, reportedly had seen had witnessed uh, him and Carpenter heading out to go party that night. And then Carpenter called the apartment the day they found his body at 3.30, but never mentioned the incident and didn't ask him. And, he, and uh, 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 Lieutenant, sorry, so Lieutenant Dean, who was one of the investigators, mentioned in his report that he found it odd that Carpenter never asked anything more about the incident and didn't ask him where Crane was. So he almost called, like, expecting the police to show up. He obviously did it. <laughs> um, the blood in the car to me is like the big because yeah. Bob was apparently type B, which is really rare, and uh, uh, Carpenter was type A, blood type, and like they found both B and A in, in the car. Oh, you know, if the police had done their fucking jobs a little better, I bet you since they'd found both blood types, if they checked Carpenter for wounds, Liam, do you think we oh no that we know how to cop better because we like our creators and watch cop stuff, or do you think little like, bit. the cops were just bad? No, the cops. I mean, they didn't have a homicide department. The cops were bad. They didn't have a homicide department. But also, like common sense, right? Yeah, I I know, but <sighs> they, this was such a high profile case. They were so afraid of making the wrong accusation. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Which to me, you should never be afraid of making an accusation as a police. It's innocent until proven guilty. Well, when the evidence is there well, to, to back it up, when the evidence is there to back it up, let's delete this There's section. a lot of accusations like he's got a gun. Yeah. Let me, currently... let me rephrase that. When the evidence points to something, I think if you, this is enough evidence. They found his blood type in John Carpenter's car. Yeah. 
to make an arrest. That is evidence. Don't don't gun down John Carpenter in this. Shocker, media majors, very liberal, not liberal, leftist podcast thinks that Black Lives Matter. We're basically Marxists. Yeah. Oh God. So at the um, time in '78, the Scottsdale Police Department uh, didn't have a homicide. So like it was a bunch of people who had never really done homicide stuff before. Uh, he did observe blood smears on the inside of the front door and entranceway, but still decided that there was no force entry. Yikes! Mm. The sliding glass door that led from Crane's apartment to the pool area was also discovered to be unlocked. At the 1994 trial. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. At the 1994 trial. Wait, would I have even been born yet? Because you weren't. No, I was. Wait, you were? Yeah. Oh, wait. When... No, like in nine, I was born in 93. Oh, okay. You were born in 93. You're older than me. I'm Duh. younger than you. Yeah. I don't know if I would have been even born yet. So at the 1994 trial, because they re- later reopened the case when they had like the ability to test for DNA... Crane's son, Robert, testified that in the weeks before his father's death, Crane had repeatedly expressed a desire to sever his friendship with Carpenter. Say what you will about Bob Crane, but he was very close with his children. Like, he he, he was, in the public eye for the long time, a typical good conservative family dad man. guy. It's, yeah, like a family man. So this was, I mean, the thing, it's the thing that happens sometimes. The private life blew up and totally overshadowed the fact that someone committed murder. Cough, cough, O.J. Simpson and Nicole. <laughs> I don't feel the point in doing an O.J. episode because American Crime Story like said all the stuff I have. To, I would have yeah. to say about it, so I'm, uh, I'm OJ, not going to do one. O.J. has been the takes have been done to death. Yeah, he's guilty. He nearly cut her head off. That implies guilt. Um, you don't defend yourself and then fucking chop off your ex-wife's head. Uh, there, there's your O.J. episode. Two episodes <laughs> in one. You fucking did it. Um. Carpenter's attorneys attacked the prosecution's case at circumstantial and inconclusive. That isn't true. <laughs> they had hard evidence in the fucking car. Um, they presented evidence, including witnesses from the restaurant where the two men had dined the evening prior to the murder, and that Carpenter and Kane were still the best of friends. That's not evidence. Yeah, circumstantial would be like that's actually circumstantial evidence with a camera tripod and john carpenter owns camera tripods that's circumstantial evidence right they could never type b type b blood in the car in the in the car in the car in the vehicle but do you know what is evidence do you know do you know what is circumstantial evidence someone saying i saw them go out to dinner the night of the murder and they seemed like the best of friends that's circumstantial evidence. They're accusing the prosecution of using circumstantial evidence and then justifying it with circumstantial evidence. Fuck attorneys. <laughs> um, they noted that the murder weapon had never been identified or found. It was a camera tripod. That's the theory. It was sheer speculation yeah. based solely on Carpenter's occupation. But, like, that's speculatory evidence that follows the narrative. Yeah. Um... They disputed claims that the newly discovered evidence that showed brain tissue was examples of sloppy police work by the old cops and that they mishandled and misplaced evidence, which is unfortunately kind of true. And that's such, like, a big reason that Carpenter was acquitted. He continued to maintain his innocence until his death in 1998. After the trial, 
Robert Crane, public, his son, publicly uh, suspected that Crane's widow, Patricia Olshin, might have had a role in the instigating the crime. Mm. So basically his son is now throwing another wrench into the carpenter theory by saying, well, maybe it might have been his ex-wife. When, like, it, why? I, it wasn't her. No, wait, why would... They, he doesn't give she... a reason for it. He literally oh. doesn't give a reason for it. Okay. Because nobody got a dime. Oh, well, okay. He says no one got a dime out of the murder except for her because he left the estate to her. And oh. it's like, but husbands leave estates to their wives all the time. And why do the bow tie humiliation thing? There you go. Yeah. Which they never talked about because the police didn't do a great job. Um, and then, of course, his son fucking wrote a book about it because... People need money. Yeah. And then there was the idea that there that Bob Crane pissed off so many boyfriends and husbands, so many actors, because of his promiscuous lifestyle, that they had sworn vengeance. And some actors actually had sworn vengeance against Bob Crane. I told you, this one was a bummer and is nuts. Wow. Um, then there started the rumors that Carpenter had borrowed $15,000 from Crane and that Crane had been demanding repayment. So now more fucking shit is being drawn out some 20-odd years after oh the fact. Oh, my God. How old um, is Carpenter now? Do you know? Uh, well, he died in 98. Okay, then who fucking gives a shit? The guy's dead. What are we going to do? This is like, that's like in uh, uh, Declaration of Independence. No, no, no. Uh, uh, National Treasure 2, which I almost just called Declaration of Independence 2. It might as um, well be. Uh, where Where the main plot vehicle of that is like, your great-granddaddy helped with the assassination of Lincoln, maybe. And it's like, who gives a shit? They're all dead. Oh, I'm so sorry. He had type B negative. B negative. Which which is the rarest... Um, it's one of the rarest blood types. Uh, and it was the type that matched samples from the car. And Carpenter's type A blood was also found in the car. Because um, Carpenter's was the more common type A, while Bob was yeah. type B negative. And Carpenter, you know, he pleaded his if, uh, innocence. Uh, though the full truth of the unsolved murder will probably never be known, rumors that a boyfriend or husband were there and, you know, people just, like, a, of, of, of someone. Uh, uh, one, of, one of the nights of Crane's last performance, a flat tire caused by a tampered valve stem is suspected to have been intended to strand Crane alone in the club's dark parking lot. Like, crazy rumors were following, flying around. And then, in November 2016, Fox 10 Phoenix television reporter John Hook convinced the Maricopa County Attorney's Office to retest the DNA evidence. DNA testing performed in November 2016 on the 78 blood samples collected from Carpenter's rental car using more advanced techniques than the one used in 1990 again failed to match Crane's DNA profile. Somehow. Huh. Even though it was, like, type B, it wasn't the right type B, apparently. Oh. Also, however, though, um, I don't know if you've known this, blood testing is not nearly as accurate as the movies make it to believe. Yeah. And over time, blood co coagulates. Oh, yeah, And becomes yeah. an entirely different substance. Just saying. And guess what? The guy who wanted to reopen this is writing a book about it called Who Killed Bob Crane? Supposed to release February 21st, 2017. Well, what a fucker. There it is. There it is. 
So it's funny that you mention the opera because they actually made a movie about this. It's called oh. Autofocus, and it stars Greg Kinnear for some reason as Bob <laughs> Crane. Bob Crane's family despises it because of all the weird claims it makes, including that Bob was into BDSM, which was never true. And then the writer-director Paul Schrader uh, admitted that, yeah, the BDSM stuff was taken from my own personal experiences with BDSM. Hey, guy. What the fuck? Hey, dude. I know you wrote Taxi Driver, which is the only good thing you've ever done, Paul Schrader, who wrote and directed <laughs> the movie where Lindsay Lohan and porn star James Dean bone for an hour and a half. Oh. Wait, is um, that the one with the twin? Yep. Oh, um, Jesus, God. When also, you make a biopic, you can't put your own fucking life into it. Yeah. Not how not they how work, works. my guy. Uh, another claim that they made in the movie was that Bob Crane had, like, penile implantment surgery, which then his son had to prove, had to disprove through Bob Crane's autopsy. So his son is also super weird. Oh, God. Um... And then uh, his one of his other sons and another guy shopped a rival script called uh, titled "Stop and Take Your Clothes Off and Smile," but autofocus because it had uh, Greg Kinnear and shit. Um, you know, it got it got made. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing I have is in June two thousand one, Scotty Crane launched the website BobCrane.com. The BobCrane.com. It included a paid section featuring photographs, outtakes from his father's sex films, and Crane's autopsy report to prove that his father did not have a penile implant that was stated in an autofocus. The site has officially been renamed Bob Crane, the official website, and no longer includes a paywall or controversial material. Oh, I, I know. That's why this. I didn't check on it. Anyways, that's the story of Bob Crane, and like I said, it was kind of a bummer. Yeah, that was, um... This brings that burp. You know what that means? That burp signifies the end of media majors, and now we have to keep the burp in. God damn it! Every Aha! time. Um, um, don't buy Ina Gardner's cum hardeners. First of all, you fucking ghoul! You <laughs> ghoul! Yeah. So we've we've been forgetting to ask about this, but we're trying to become a bigger podcast. We'd like an audience. We've we've gotten some subscribers on our feed, but I, I think we can do more. Yeah. So please rate and subscribe on iTunes. Tweet we, about us. Tell your friends. Like we, interact with us. We would love to hear back from you guys. Yeah. If anyone is listening, we'd really love to hear from you guys. Um. Uh, we want to have uh, like like this is maybe long term at this point, or uh, it depends if we get people emailing us in we want to introduce a, a listener aspect to the show where if people uh write in because we only have a certain perspective on these things and mostly wikipedia yeah uh, wikipedia i i do a little more googling than you sometimes um uh if 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 we get something wrong if we if there's something we an angle we forgot to mention or just didn't know about or just something where it's like, hey, you guys talked about Marilyn Monroe. Here's a story about it that you might find interesting. Or, hey, this is my Red Ring of Death, you know, moment. Yeah. Uh, let us know. We, we'll totally read read it on air, and we'll credit you and all that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. We want, we want to interact with our listeners more because uh, it'll expand everybody's everybody's knowledge and that's all we want to do here and we think that this is like a fun podcast we enjoy it and i think that uh you know we talk about stuff that people may not know about and i think it'd be interesting yeah. i think it's i think it is interesting yeah. so tell so, your friends tweet yeah. about us 
do what we, you we, can. Despite despite um our our niche advertising, we really don't put ourselves out there that much. We only go have word of mouth to go off of. So yeah. As of right now, you know, we're looking to expand that. Follow us and media follow at us. Media Majors cast follow our personal twitters it's all you can find it all through media majors all right um speaking of expanding um we have a live show coming up yeah uh it is going to be on january 8th if you are in the dc maryland virginia area it will be there email us or direct message us and we'll give you more information it's mostly just going to be our friends yeah so media majors media majors podcast at gmail.com or you can DM us on Twitter. You yeah. can message us on Facebook. We're very easy to find. Um, but we'd love if there are listeners that are in the area and want to come. Uh, you can meet some of our friends. And yeah. uh, Eric is going to tell a people. story. And Jane is going to tell a story. And my Fuck parents yeah. are going to be there. Uh, so that'll be fun. <laughs> my parents are not. Even though it is going to be in, in my home, my <laughs> parents are not going to be there. Because they do not like this show. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, my parents are going to be mortified. Oh, God, it. yeah, especially with what I'm talking about. No, I think what I'm talking about is going to make them a little more uncomfortable. <laughs> Good. That joke will only work after the live episode. And, of course, we're going to release the live episode. It's not, yeah. like, a special thing. You know, we don't we don't really have any need for bonus shit, yeah. so that'll be up. But January 8th, 2017, 12 days before the world ends, for real. Oh, Jesus, uh, God. Come, come watch us tell. We saved good ones for this one, guys. We yeah. already know the stories. It's going to be a real oh, treat. Yeah, and mine, just to give you like a taste, no hints, but like mine is so big that I'm realizing that I'm going to have to do a series and I'm going to have to just be like, this is the general thing in the live version, in the live show, and then do a bunch of little ones more focused episodes mine's later. big in a different way mm. we both make music i make it on i make uh, like weird trip hop under the name sword dinosaur i'm really proud of my stuff please listen to it i do sketches with boys night video i uh, am sometimes in luke strickler's who was on the podcast earlier uh his youtube channel uh and i host the podcast shmanime and uh, musty tv should be coming out in the next couple of months uh we're working on it and i uh your boy explains look up thomas lockney on youtube you can find both my music and my gaming on that uh, my analytical gaming videos uh but music is mainly in soundcloud um oh i write about games thomas lockney game informer or destructoid thank you so much for listening yep we we couldn't do this without you but yeah. we would anyways <laughs> and yeah really write in like rate review oh right subscribe, if, if whatever um, if you have stor- a story, if you've been yes. marginalized and you want to either tell a story, have us tell your story. And it does not have to be about with. being marginalized. It can just be like, I'm oh, yeah. I'm a marginalized person and I just have a story to tell. And those two things are like not inherently related. It can be it can be either or and both. We would love to hear from you. And if you want to tell your story yourself, totally doable. We can totally set that up. Yeah. Uh, email us, DM us, whatever's easiest. Yep. Uh, and as always, oh, please check out MediaMajorsCast.com. Yep. Uh, I worked it's very hard on dope it. Dope as and hell. It's a beautiful site. And it's where our feed is. Yep. Uh, and as always, we'll be there. For you. Except for Ross, because he sucks. <laughs> <laughs>